What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gift of Who's podcast. I'm joined here today by a Portland Trailblazers fan and NBA content creator, Hoopsters Radar, a dope guy, and I can't wait to get into the conversation. Feel free to introduce yourself to the people. What's up, man? I'm, I'm Hoopers Radar. I've been on the YouTube platform for almost two years now. Um, maybe Gifted will hopefully leave my link in the description, but we're going to be talking Blazers basketball. I'm very excited to get to this because obviously there was like a a huge blockbuster trade with Dame. He's no longer on a team that he's been on for a very, very long time. So there's a lot to unpack there in terms of the future of this franchise. I think the best place to start this podcast is obviously going to be with Dame's tenure as a Blazer. But before we get to that, I want to say make sure to tap into Hoopsters uh, channel. All of his links and all that will be in the description below. And if you want to support this podcast, tap in on audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also for the YouTube version where you can see the video of what we're doing today. Let's get right into it. So I'll tell you this, right? Damian Lillard is one of the best players in NBA history. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say considering how efficient of a player that he's been from the three-point line as a shot creator easily one of the best combo guards at that skill set and specifically Dame at this point asking out for Portland has been something that's been on the wall for a couple seasons now we've all expected it to happen at some point we didn't know if Portland was just gonna trade him regardless or if Dame was finally gonna ask for a trade because How things have been framed for many years has been Dame saying he wants to stay loyal. He's not trying to run from the grind, but he also wants to win a championship. And ultimately, in this current day and age, athletes are judged heavily on if they win a title. It's become less about how good you are at basketball, how you produce, how do you make your teammates better. It's often championship. And I kind of hate that because... I think it's a very lazy way to view basketball because basketball is more than just did you win a championship or not. But for the casual audience who are watching championships, just tell you, oh, they won something. So it must mean that they're really good because it's very hard to win in the NBA. For Dame specifically, though, being drafted to Portland, playing with uh, Aldridge, playing with CJ, He's been through many different iterations of this Portland roster. I want to get your thoughts on Dame's tenure as a Blazer before we break down what you guys got back for Dame. Well, yeah, we got we got to talk about where Dame started there with Portland. I mean, he arrived into a situation that wasn't bad at all. Obviously, that first year, they did not make the playoffs with him being there. But in a current state where you said in the NBA where it's tough to judge players because they don't have rings and they're judged heavily if they don't have rings. There's so many players that have gotten so many personal accolades, statistics, but they're not ranked higher because of that ring. And Carl Malone and Carmelo Anthony are two big examples of that. Guys that, you know, got it all done personal accolade wise, but weren't ranked higher. And Dame unfortunately falls into that category right now. He still made the NBA 75 team without a championship, but because of his struggles in Portland since he got there, not having a lot of playoff success outside of that one year where they kind of got a bit lucky and made the Western Conference Finals just to get destroyed by the Warriors. He hasn't had much success out of that year, and it's caused a lot of desperation, and we're here where we are now. 
Yeah, man. I mean, that that Western Conference run where they beat the Thunder in the first round. I forget who they played in the second round. Was it the Nuggets in the second round? Yeah, it was the Nuggets in the second round. Yeah, I believe so. Bro, CJ was outstanding. Crazy in that series. And then in the Western Conference Finals, they played Golden State. As a Golden State fan, I, I remember vividly what this series was because Portland has surprised people to have made it this far. And this was a team that did not have Kevin Durant on it. And for whatever reason, a lot of people thought coming in that that Golden State team couldn't really, you know, have that much success without KD. But Portland put up a fight, man. I mean, I remember all of those games in the series. Every game Portland had double-digit leads. They ran um, outstanding pressure to start their games. But it just felt like the roster construction was lacking because... Dame was the best player on the team, and the next best player was C.J. McCollum, which is, you know, he's good. You know, certain years I would say he might have been a, a all-star caliber guard, but ultimately, when you have Dame as your best player, if you're a second best player, it does, like, certain things that Dame does, but just worse, and also is not really a defender, there's a ceiling to how far that team can go, and, and I feel like anytime Portland made it far into the playoffs their roster limits really show i mean yeah i mean with within blazers fans i feel like the issue with the blazers every year that they've always like had a team has always been the defense we've always done a bottom defense a bottom 25 defense 25 and below we've never been good on that end and it starts with our backcourt cj and dame were just absolutely terrible as a backcourt defensively and having cj as your second best player he's came up big for us many playoff games and many playoff series and even been better than Dame in some of those series, but it's like towards the end of like the Blazers era, CJ was no longer that player, and that's why he ended up getting traded. And it just it wasn't working no more outside of that conference finals. I think the biggest example of what you're saying too, by the way, is when Dame played one of the best playoff games I've ever seen in my life. Um, when he's just a nuclear guy. I'm pretty sure he dropped in like 60 points in the play. play sorry, something like that where like he literally was not missing versus Denver. That Nuggets. That was a Nuggets one, right? Yeah. I believe it was Game Five. I think versus Denver. And like, I remember this so vividly because on the other end, Denver is just getting easy baskets with Jokic passing and just scoring easily, or finding people who are left wide open by Jeremy Grant or sometimes Carmelo Anthony for threes, and it's like. On the other end, it's just Dame is just making crazy shots, crazy turnaround, spin, step back threes, you know, just cr- like craziness. Austin Rivers was like, he felt like God out there, and that's how he played. But the problem, and it goes back to Portland's construction, is the support around Dame. Because in that specific game, once it got down to the fourth quarter and the overtime periods, I remember the plays in my head vividly, right? CJ McCollum stepping out of bounds on a critical possession, right? Nurkic botching a dunk attempt. Carmelo Anthony turning the ball over, trying to get to his mid-range shot. These are things that happen down the stretch. And these are the plays where Dame is giving up the ball to his teammates to make a play. And then these plays happen. But meanwhile, Dame literally does not miss a shot from late in the fourth quarter to deep in the overtime period and the times where he passes the ball and 
he's not hogging it bad things happen and ultimately they lose and i feel like for dame he's tried his best to put the team on his back and try to win in multiple situations but the lack of talent around him has showed and i think him finally asking for a trade request was him acknowledging that i don't think he can win in portland yeah, no, it, it, that, that wasn't the only thing. But the, the thing, too, is that before Scoot was drafted, the front office actually promised Dame that they would try to use that pick in order to get some assets and players around him that were willing to win now. And Dame thought that was going to happen. And ultimately, because of G, the GM, Joe Cronin went out and said that they did try to look for assets with that third pick, but they didn't find anything that they thought was better than the player they were going to draft, which is Scoot. And that's why they ended up drafting Scoot. And I guess Dame took offense to that and said, well, they don't want to help me win, bring some win now guys. They want to draft Scoot instead. And he said he doesn't want to be part of a youth group. He said that so many times. That's why he ended requested a trade. So as a Portland fan, I'm curious about where you're at with this, because some people would say Dame is 100% right. Like he's not in the wrong at all. Part of me feels iffy on you signing a supermax contract and then asking out within two years of that when i feel like if you're evaluating the landscape of the western conference you have to understand it's going to take longer to build around you and try to win even though in my mind i don't think they really had a chance considering how many teams were going to be good what do you like sorry where do you stand on this are you like absolving dame from that because of the roster stuff or what I mean, it, it's a tough situation, right? Because he, he preached the whole loyalty thing. He was staying with the Blazers, and now he was supposed to go to the Heat, but ended up going to Milwaukee, which, in my opinion, is actually a better situation. But I'm completely fine with it. I don't think he... He might be a little bit hypocritical because of what he stood on and where he is now, but I love, like, I love the move for him. I think it's good for him, and I think he was all in the reason to leave Portland. I mean, he was supposed to stay in Portland. He wanted to stay in Portland the rest of the career, as long as they put him in a, like, position to at least make the playoffs, but it's been a struggle. I mean, this year, they were the 13th seed. Last year, they were, or what were they? Last year, they were the 13th seed again. The year before that, I believe they also didn't make the playoffs, and the year before that no they were the sixth seed the year before that and then the year before that which was the bubble year they barely got into the playoffs with that bubble run as an eight yep. seed so it's it's been a struggle the last two years been a 13 seed haven't made the playoffs and he's still there putting up 30 a game so if you see yourself as a player in your prime and you're doing that and you can't get anywhere winning wise let alone make the play in then yes i understand why he requested a trade he wants a position to win so yeah it's a tough situation to judge on but I think he did what was best for him and Portland did what was best for them, which was trade them to Milwaukee and get better assets in return than what Miami would have given. And this is a very interesting part because I'll be honest with you, right? I was on the side that I felt like when Dame asked for the trade, what made me mad about this from many different levels is management could have gotten a much bigger return for Dame if they traded him years earlier when his value was higher when he was younger where he wasn't going through some of the postseason injuries that he's gone through before with his rib cage in the past his value would have been much higher you would have gotten a much bigger return the fact that you're trying to trade him now when he signed to a supermax contract i didn't i never thought his market was going to be that huge i thought the heat and the bucks were the only teams that were there on the wall and I was like, are the Bucks really going to trade you holiday? I'm not sure. And they did. And 
Part of me was higher initially on Miami's package just because of the idea that they're an aging team and their unprotected picks in like 27, 29, I thought really would have been valuable picks at the time. But considering what they got, I mean, I now have the full return. So they trade Dame to the Bucks, which we'll get to that, right? But then they get Drew Holiday back in that deal and they flip him for even more value. So the total return that they got, they got DeAndre Aiden from the Suns, Robert Williams from the Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon from the Celtics, Tumani, uh, uh, mm, I can't talk, Tumani Kamara, uh, a 2024 Golden State, my team's top four protected pick, 2029 Boston unprotected, 2029 Milwaukee first unprotected, and two pick swaps in 28 and 30 from the Bucks. If you ask me, Portland did a phenomenal job trading Dame. And I get it. Like, you might see those players and like, well, none of these players are the caliber of Dame. But but I don't think people understand having two 2029 unprotected picks from the Celtics and the Bucks, two teams that are trying to contend now, one of those teams might be trash and different by 2029. And you're giving yourself the best chance to get the most value. You also get a big back in DeAndre Aiden, who I'll be honest with you, I don't like DeAndre Aiden at all, HR, but considering the situation he was at with the Suns, I think it's definitely fair to say he can be a newer, more imagined player on the Portland roster where day one, he'll be the best player on the roster outside of maybe Anthony Simon. So I like that fit and the draft stuff that you get just makes a ton of sense. Also, Rob Will is a pretty good player who, despite his injury history, can provide value to a contender, which you can trade again for more assets. So to me, Portland made out like bandits considering what their situation was and what the return could have been. What were your thoughts on the Dame trade? I mean, if you, if you ask me and Portland Trailblazers fan, man, starting with DeAndre Aiden, we've wanted to get rid of Yusuf Nurkic for, you know, God knows how long. Years, I mean, bro. Yeah, we've wanted to get rid of Nurkic for years, and we've always thought we need a new young center that has some potential. And yeah, DeAndre Aiden has had his struggles with the Suns, even though he was his best within those Chris Paul years. Yes, he had his struggles last year and his frustrations, but... I can tell you for a fact that we are much more excited to have DeAndre Aiden and he fits this timeline perfectly. I feel like he's the perfect center to pair along Scoot Henderson as the as the one guard and, and sharp and he fits the like I said he fits the timeline perfectly. I think he's in a much better like mentality now and a better mental health state being on Portland because I feel like Phoenix just drained him. Especially being in an offense that no longer had a primary playmaker, his touches went down with Chris Paul no longer there and I think he, he got fed up once he figured out he became like the fourth option. So, but I, I love I love what Portland did. Yeah, going back to what you said, yeah, many said that, you know, they, like we're not getting a player as good as Damian Lillard, but damn, for getting Drew Holiday back and flipping it into better value and getting Brogdon, DeAndre Aiden, getting um the picks, like you said, like it's, it's a lot of great value and it's all going to help this team in the future. I don't know much about Tumani Kamara, but, you know, always putting in a solid player that could come out to be something is also a great thing to have and i think we got great value out of this like i don't i think a lot of people aren't talking about the blazers they're talking about how good the celtics did with getting true holiday or what milwaukee got but the blazers actually have a play-in level roster this year 
Yeah, I'm going to say a lot of people aren't talking about Portland, and I find it funny because Portland's roster on paper to me is actually going to be more competitive than they were last year, which just adds to how competitive the Western Conference is. And, like, trust me, Dame had his best year as a Blazer, period, last year. He was a phenomenal, you know, player. But in terms of, like, having multiple sources of guys who can – contribute positively i think this year is going to be a very interesting one for whatever reason and i don't know why people keep doing this hr maybe they just don't watch portland basketball but people are so content with putting anthony simons on the bench like he's not the best guard day one on this team i get what scoot can do he's going to be better than him i believe that but anthony simons was one of the best volume shooters in the nba literally a year ago the season dame went down and every time he's had to play without Dame, he's been a more productive player. Obviously, we still have to see how that, you know, sees itself out. But this is going to be a pretty good team. And I just want to quickly get your thoughts before we fully focus on the Blazers to Dame's situation in Milwaukee and where you think that puts him in terms of trying to win a championship. I mean, uh, I was going to dip on what you said before, but I'll address the Milwaukee situation first. I, I like the situation a lot for Dame. I think this is for sure these next, well, let's say, one to three year window that I believe Dame still has in his prime is where he needs to win a championship. And I think this is going to be a big year that will show us if they can do it. And I, I love the situation for Dame. I thought Chris Middleton was going on the trade. I didn't think it was going to be a straight flip for, for right. Drew Holiday. I thought... Chris Middleton would be the because you know Portland's hasn't really had a shooting wing in a while aside from maybe Sharp and we I, I, th I just thought that Chris would have been a better fit for the Blazers than Drew but we ended up getting Drew and now you have a Milwaukee Bucks team that I covered this on my channel I made a whole video on it I think the Bucks are the champions this year but it's a deep roster you got Milwaukee has Chris Middleton Giannis and Dame as their big three and Chris Middleton has always had to close the games for them and like I said in that video now you have Dame who's going to be your closer and just the potential of Chris returning to his like peak championship form closing games alongside Dame and them going back and forth could be scary Giannis will have more of a bigger role on defense now now then Dame can alleviate some pressure on the offensive side and Milwaukee got campaign as a backup guard who He's an underrated player. They got Malik Beasley. They got Pat Connaughton coming back. They still have Brooke Lopez, defensive player of the year candidate. Had his best year blocking shots last year. And Bobby Portis, arguably the best six man of the year. So I think the, the sky is the limit really for this Milwaukee Bucks roster. And I think he's in a perfect position to win. Like a much better position than Miami would have put him in because Miami lost a ton this offseason. And their questions on depth are, they have such questionable depth compared to Milwaukee. So. I think Dame's in a great situation. Where I'm at with it, and I agree with some of what you said, but I have a lot of questions for this roster. So I love how people keep saying, oh my God, the Dame Giannis pick and roll. What are you going to do? Like, yes, that's going to be a very potent offense that they have. And for the Bucks, by the way, I think it makes a ton of sense because you need to maximize your window with Giannis. As good as Drew Holiday was, he had his offensive woes. I noted this in the Bucks podcast that just dropped. And with Drew Holiday specifically, it's like the offensive problems that he had for a team that's trying to close out games. The Bucks won the title because Giannis was put off the ball. Chris Middleton would have the ball in his hands, and that's how they closed out games. And Giannis, as an off-ball roamer type defensively, and even on the offensive end as a screen and roll guy, 
was very efficient because of like you know his rim gravity so now that you have dame who can space effectively and is one of the best isolation scorers we've seen period ever he's gonna fit like a glove offensively but that's not my question my problem which a lot of people seem to not care about because they got dame is this is also a team that traded drew holiday wesley matthews and javon carter they lost all three of these guys in one offseason to where now the only notable defender that i am in fear of is probably Giannis and brooke as a front court outside of that there are a bunch of weak links to go at obviously bochamp maybe if he takes that step defensively as well he can potentially fit in there maybe the guys that they traded five second round picks to not play in the playoffs nj crowder could also be good defensively but I feel like there's a lot of weaker links to their defense, which is fair because teams aren't going to be perfect. You have to make some type of sacrifice to play or lean towards a different type of style. I think this definitely raises their ceiling, but I think that there's a lot of holes in their roster that can be absolutely picked at. And the versatility that Drew provides that people kind of underrate is normally with most playoff teams, your guard is your weakest defender normally that's how that goes but for the bucks their guard was their like you know second Honest strongest defender. defender right 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 so now that you have him and Giannis, it just shifts the lineups dramatically to where okay there's there's less advantages that we could create versus one of the best poa guys in the league and you have him and Giannis guarding pick and rolls right like it's 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 very hard to deal with, especially when they go smaller, where it's just Drew at the one and Giannis at the five. It's just very potent defense. You lose that defensive identity. And more importantly, you also lose your head coach who understood how to run a system with those guys. Arguably, I understand people don't like Bud, but I think you could argue if Bud had a player that was as talented as Dame as a perimeter creator, Dame would force him to have to be a bit more creative to saying okay we're gonna run this style that's super successful that at times can get exposed in the playoffs we don't know what adrian griffin is gonna provide for that team but overall i agree with you i still think dame is in a pretty good enough situation me personally though i'll die on this hill i think miami would have been a better fit and i say this because the system that spolstra has in place to hide guards on defense the guards that they lost were not great positive impact defenders. I can get the Gabe Vincent point, but I still think that he's a smaller guard that doesn't really execute that well. Having Dame be, uh, bend the floor for Bam takes the pressure off of Jimmy offensively, and Jimmy is already one of the better defenders. So now you have two guys who can go down the stretch, create offense, create advantages, and you have a defensive-minded coach in Spolster who just finds a way to maximize a roster of players that on paper shouldn't be like a top five defense in the playoffs. So that's how I feel about it. Hoop. I mean, I, I understand your argument with Milwaukee not being as good defensively this year as there was last year, but we've seen with a lot of like really good offensive teams that have won championships. All it takes to win a championship as a really good offensive team is to be a middle of the pack defense. And I think the Bucks can still be a middle of the pack defense without Drew Holiday. And last year, your example, they were a top defense last year in the regular season. And that didn't matter come first round series because the, the the Miami Heat were clearly a better offensive team. The Bucks needed more offense. And that's why I think this Dame trade puts them a little bit over the, the next step. They needed yeah. offense during that series. And 
Drew Holiday is pretty good offensively during the regular season, but in the playoffs, he's inconsistent. He can't be that that spark in the fourth quarter. And they really needed offense in that series, not defense. And I think Dame helps them out a lot there. So that's kind of my counter to the whole Bucks aren't as good of a defensive team this year, but if they can be that middle of the pack defense and a top offense, I think they're a championship team. I can't wait to see how it plays out. By the way, I love how petty Portland was. <laughs> to trade you holiday to the Celtics. So now it, it's still gonna be harder for Dame to get out of the Eastern Conference. I think Drew provides a ton of value for that team as well, but enough about those teams. Let's, let's get back to your team, the Portland Trailblazers, officially. I would love to hear your thoughts about Anthony Simons. As I said earlier, I think he's a player that a lot of people are, are just not talking about, just overlooking. Yeah. And to me, he's like your best player outside of Aiden on this roster. Yeah, no, thank you for reminding me about that. I wanted to dip on that. For some reason, whenever people talk about the Blazers this year, all they can talk about is that Scoot and Sharp duo. And they always leave Anthony Simons out of the conversation as if Anthony Simons hasn't been a 20-point-per-game scorer the last two seasons and been under Damian Lillard like the last four years. Like Anthony Simons is the next guy up to be the offensive number one option on this team. It's not Scoot or Sharp. Like, Sharp is a very good player, but the hype on Sharp is getting a little crazy. And yeah, Scoot was the third pick, and Scoot is a baller, but I think Sharp is supposed to be the leading scorer this... I mean, uh, not Sharp, I'm sorry. Anthony Simons is supposed to be the leading scorer this year. And Anthony Simons has gotten so much of a better player. If you guys watch film on Anthony Simons, he's really taken a lot out of what Damian Lillard has done the last couple years and plays very similar to him. He's a volume three-point shooter, very efficient three-point shooter 45 three on high volume I like super high volume yeah exa exactly like he he's gotten a lot from damon he's only getting better as a player and i think anthony simons is in for maybe possibly another breakout year as the number one option and didn't he go off yesterday in preseason like for 29 points yes like, this he, 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 he hooped i think he's definitively the best player on the blazers right now i know scoop probably has a higher potential but Scoot's in his first year. I think Anthony's going to be that lead shooting guard. And another player I don't see people talking about that we brought back. We overpaid the crap out of him. But Jeremy Grant was also another 20-point-per-game guy last year that nobody seems to want to talk about. And he's not going to get worse this year. He should actually be either the same or better. And we have a lot of offense. Like, he was another guy who was very efficient from the three-point line last year. He's our best defender. Uh, now that uh, I believe Nazir Little is gone, he's our best defender, most likely. And we have a very, we have a very, like, actually a good team. Like, now we have Scoot at the one, we have Ann at the two, we have Grant at the four, at the three. I don't, I don't remember who's playing the three. Uh, probably, it might be either Matisse. Sharp's coming off the bench, Brogdon's coming off the bench, and now we have Aiden at the five. So, I think we definitely do have a playing caliber roster. And going back to Anthony Simons, like I said... I think he's due for a big, like, huge role on this team. And I don't know why a lot of people are leaving him out of the main Blazers best player conversation. Yeah, I just think the simple answer is people just don't watch Portland. And I get it. But I saw this man without Dame go through stretches where he's hitting, like, eight, eight threes in a game. Super efficient scoring. And it's like, yeah, like, he's actually filling in the Damian Lillard role. And... I kind of didn't understand, by the way, like the idea that we're going to trade CJ, but we're going to still have Anthony and like play these guys because they all do the same type of thing to where like 
your backcourt is super good offensively, but the defense is bad, and there's no defense in the front line to make up for it, so it's kind of like bad. But Anthony Simons was 100% putting up those types of splits. So to me, it's like if you put him with Scoot, who can like play make and do other things, I think that can fit really well because Scoot gets to the basket, Anthony Simons spaces it. Like that type of combination from a guard perspective is great. Dame and CJ were perimeter guys who, who could also get to the basket, but they didn't have that yin and yang like these two have to me. Well, yeah, no, I, I completely understand with you. And the whole thing with CJ is, yeah, it's hilarious how you get rid of CJ and then you automatically replace CJ's role with another guy who arguably plays the same role as CJ, but he's just more athletic. Yep. And the whole thing was that with that was that Anthony Simons, the same year that I believe CJ got traded, had a breakout year averaging 17. And they signed him to a contract, and it was awkward. And it was like, well, are we going to pay a guy that is going to now be making about 20 to $25 million a year? We're going to pay him to come off the bench? Or is it time to move on from CJ, who was kind of on the downfall with the Blazers? And they moved on from CJ, moved Anthony Simons to that starting shooting guard spot. And that's that's where it was now. And then I believe I believe they were... It, it was just it was a tough situation and Anthony had the breakout year they had to move on from CJ and start incorporating Anthony who I believe they thought was going to be better soon anyways because he was younger and more athletic yeah yeah so so again like I like that I do like Shade and Sharp but again I agree with you like the Shade and Sharp gas is just crazy to not be talking about Anthony like Anthony has not averaged 20 in this league like Anthony Simons wasn't on the floor when Portland was trying to not make the playoffs and he went crazy and they still made the playoffs anyway. I remember those games. I really do, HR. Yeah, no, and, and going back going back to the Sharp hype, I understand at the end of the season last year when most of our main guys got sat out and Sharp was put in that starting role, he was going off for a bunch of 20 bombs in those last 10 games, but they were playing losing basketball, Sharp was the number one guy, and he had a couple of inefficient nights, and I think he will eventually be that 20 point per game guy, but a lot of people, as much as they love pointing out the strengths of Sharp, they're not pointing out the weaknesses, he still lacks a handle, majorly like... He, he, his handle is probably the best thing he can work on. Yeah, he does have that smooth three-point shot and his athleticism is crazy, but he can definitely still work on his defense and his handling of the ball. And there's times on the court, if you guys really do watch Blazers game, even in preseason, there's times where Sharp will be in front of his man and his man will blow by him and this man just gets lazy and doesn't do yeah. much about it. And he's just like, he has a lot still to grow as. And I think as much as I'd love for him to start maybe at the three spot this year, I think he needs that six man or seven man role behind Malcolm Brogdon this year to continue developing. I think something that also goes super underrated in the NBA is having veteran players at a position help guide younger players to do things. It feels like now everyone just wants to blow the team up completely, trade all the veteran players, have like a 15 man roster of, of 21 year olds and just go figure it out i think having vets ease these guys into this can make them much better players dame when he came in he had vets and that you know coached him up to get to where he's at anthony simons literally was coached up by damian lillard it's no surprise why he kind of plays similar to damian lillard it makes sense so i think that malcolm brogdon being on this roster is actually a great calming factor for Scoot and the other guard players on his team. Also, Brogdon is a pretty good leader. He he talks well and he's a winning player. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what his career has been for the majority of his time in the NBA. So I think that's another thing that fits really well. 
Yeah, I know. And I know the DeAndre Aiden move got most of the attention, but nobody wants to talk about. We got the sixth man of the year on the Portland Trailblazers. Like this guy was yeah. the sixth man of the year. He played a big role in the Boston Celtics and he is a great leader. I've seen all the jokes about that. The fact that he sounds like Barack Obama, but Malcolm Brogdon actually seems like a good leader. And he, he is the sixth man of the year. And I think he'll play a great role in the development of uh, Scoot Henderson, hopefully Sharp. And he'll, he'll be in that bench unit with Sharp. So we'll see how the development goes there. But the, the fact that we kept Brogdon, I think, is uh, very interesting. Like, I thought Brogdon was going to end up getting traded after. But Same. he isn't exactly old or young. So he's, he's in a weird spot. But I guess he fits the timeline for now. And another veteran you brought back that... I haven't heard much talk about is Matisse Thybul. Like we've always lacked in defense, and I feel like bringing back Matisse is also another solid veteran who provides great defense and will hopefully be our our main guy on that end, aside from Jeremy Grant. I think Matisse Thybul was a very underrated pickup, and I feel like the reason why a lot of people don't talk about him is a they haven't watched him, and b with Matisse specifically though, I feel like the issue with him is how much of an offensive liability he can be at times. But I feel like in Portland. Based on where you are, I think this is a fill-it-out year for everyone on the roster. I think Matisse should be provided those opportunities to get better at not being such a offensive liability. Because defensively, he's an all-defensive caliber player. He can 100% rise to that level, his wingspan, the way that he can chase guards and like block them from behind. That's what he does super well. And having a more defensive identity for Portland, to me, should be a part of your build going forward which kind of takes me to scoot henderson and i feel like we need to like officially sit here and talk about this portland got a steal the charlotte hornets the last move michael jordan made before selling parts of the team to other people he said i'll do you guys a solid i'll take i'll take brandon miller portland can have Scoot henderson straightforward that was a straightforward and yeah I, I find that a big steal it's not i don't think it's like a big huge steal but it's definitely a steal because yeah. dang that I, was i like i had my fingers crossed man i was praying on draft night that scoot somehow found a way to fall to portland and michael jordan uh michael jordan definitely shot the the shotgun with no ammo and and took brandon miller who is going to be still a very good player but he is not no scoot henderson and yeah we definitely got a steal with scoot i mean we're talking about a guard who isn't there yet i think defensively but brings the intensity and has stated multiple times how much he wants to be a better defender this guy can get to the rim with ease he's super athletic i don't know if some of you guys have seen that clip of robert williams being interviewed in practice but they asked him about scoot henderson he said damn that guy's fast so th there's only been good things said about scoot he he can play make very well he's good in the pick and roll he he plays so he plays like a veteran from what i from the minutes i saw in preseason and summer league like he plays composed already like he doesn't play like a raw rookie who just came into the league and i think he's going to be the the, the future guard of this league already and i love i love what scoot already brings to this team like i said i think i think he's a great fit into the future i think a huge part about scoot that people aren't acknowledging and what makes him different from everyone beyond his frame and his skill set is the fact that Scoot Henderson is not coming here from college. He's played multiple years against NBA, uh, you know, NBA caliber. How do I say this? NBA caliber competition. There we go. In the G League. And I think those years of having to go up against that speed has made it easier for him to adjust to NBA basketball now on top of his natural skill sets. 
yeah no he the experience he's gotten out of the g league is is definitely like a big part on why he's a more composed player because his first year in the g league was a little bit rough but his yeah. second year was really his breakout year in the g league and that's what rose him in the in the draft boards for sure and then we all wanted to see if it was all real the hype was real so he went against victor woman yaba in a g league crossover game with um the french league and he absolutely went off in that game and showed yeah. why he is that first or second pick against Victor Wembanyama and showed that he's legit about it. And that's where I think uh, we definitely all saw that it, the hype definitely is real. And that Scoot is that the best guard in this draft. I don't care if Brandon Miller got drafted. He's the best guard in this draft. I think what so, I like about Scoot the most, by the way, is the fact that he has the tenacity to just constantly keep going at you no matter what like in that victor game what i love the most is even though victor could recover and block his shots scoot didn't care he, he kept going at him he kept attacking him but also the way that he controlled flow created shots for his teammates and more importantly at his frame you don't see a lot of those guards who get to the basket first have the indicators of a pull-up stop on a dime mid-range and the fact that he had that i'm like wow he could come and like dominate this league honestly yeah i know and and the fact that he, he has that pull-up and it looks clean with how you know long of a wingspan he has is, is definitely like a plus because it's not easy shooting with such a long wingspan and usually the more athletic guards lack on the shooting end but i think he's one of the better shooting guards and yeah his shooting could definitely improve but from what I've seen, he can shoot it from the three. He's been able to shoot it from the mid-range. And the rim pressure he provides is just his biggest strength. And like you said in that game, he he was going at Victor. Like, yeah, Victor had a couple blocks on him. But there were a couple layups where Scoot absolutely laid the hell out of Victor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the athleticism with Scoot is crazy. But even beyond all this, the thing that should make you excited for him as a Portland fan, for sure, HR is the mindset i mean this dude wants to be great he says it on the court you see it in his overall interviews and i just see him wanting to be the best version of himself and i feel like portland has equipped him from year one to not have to play behind dame but instead to be thrown into the fire with a really good roster and a coach that in my opinion will be a pretty good coach for coaching up younger talent and they'll respect him because he's a player coach and he's played many years in the league yeah no and i've seen the interviews with scoot for sure and scoot is like ready to go for the blazers like he he aims on being a playoff team this year and as much as like we make fun of that on uh, the old time where like colin sexton got drafted and he said he told lebron that he should have stayed when scoot henderson told dame that he should have stayed i genuinely think that scoot and dame could have been a really like scary duo year one because scoot is I feel an NBA ready player like Scoot doesn't need development I think Scoot's gonna average 18 this year his rookie year and going back to the interviews when they've interviewed him and asked him about the rookie of the year race he hasn't answered no oh yeah it'll be a good competition between me and Victor no he said he's gonna win rookie of the year yep and he's determined and confident to do it so I love Scoot as taking that leadership bro already his rookie year I think he's the perfect guard and as much as I don't want to call him the Damian Lillard replacement because he's his own player I think he's going to fit that Dame role very well. And hopefully they have more success in the Scoot era playoff-wise. Yeah, man. As I've said, I I like what Portland got in totality from the Dame trade. Again, having a 2029 unprotected pick from either Boston or the Bucks, Having that optionality where both teams 
could bottom out and you get a insane you know premium value or even one of them you still get something i think that's good i also think that as soon as jeremy grant got paid by the way for me i said dame's gone and i said this because once you put that much cap space towards jeremy grant you severely limit how you can improve the roster realistically and dame kept saying he wanted like a a big veteran player to come over and i just just didn't really see that in the cards but i think that jeremy Grant's contract is going to be used as a trade piece for this season and people also have to remember hr which a lot of people don't talk about at all but i remember this because a i watched basketball and b i did have this man jeremy grant on my fantasy team so i know what he was doing on top of watching the games Jeremy Grant was one of the best scorers to start the year. Do you remember how good he was last year? Yeah, he had, he had a game winner. He had a game winner. <laughs> he was shooting like, 50% was, for three. <laughs> yeah, like he, he was he was really good. And I, I don't know exactly like what you meant by the whole Dame is gone with Jeremy Grant because from the reports that I saw on Twitter, it was Damian Lillard wanted either Jeremy Grant to be re-signed or for the Blazers to go out and get Draymond Green from one yeah. of the reports I saw. And ultimately you know Draymond's pretty hard to get from the Warriors so the Blazers ended up bringing back Jeremy Grant in order to help Dame stay but in my opinion I don't think that moves much of a needle I guess for Dame that bringing Jeremy Grant back is a good thing but yeah I thought that was a complete overpay for a fact and it didn't end up working out because as much as they did bring back Jeremy Grant for what I believe was to help Dame Lillard stay Dame didn't end up staying either because the roster was still the roster still didn't get anything except from bringing back players so, yeah, that, that was definitely a, a rough situation. And like you said, yeah, Jeremy Grant, as much as he's getting overpaid, I think he's going to still be really good this year. And many people forget because in a long NBA season, we all forget the beginning. Jeremy Grant was balling out at the beginning. You definitely killing. reminded me about it. Dude, dude, like, I'm talking about, like, I will watch the games. And it's like, did he just create that shot off the bounce for, like, four straight possessions and score, like, 13 in the quarter? Like, that's, that's what he was doing. He, he was on volume one of the best shot creators in, like, the first 35 games. Then then he gets hurt. He comes back. He's not quite the same. He's still good. But the way he started out the year, it's like, damn, Jeremy Grant is dropping, like, 28 to 30. Like, he's doing yeah, that not, right now. Not to get off topic, but him and uh, him and Benedict Matherin had a very similar start and cool off. They both started hot yeah. and just cooled down absolutely after. But, yeah, Jeremy Grant was a was a big piece of the winning success we had at the beginning of last year because if i'm not wrong we we had a we were we were the one seed at one point last year i think we were five and oh through the first five games yes you were oh oh and 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 dame got injured and y'all actually like sustained like a near 500 record without dame as well i remember that yeah but then it's just like whenever dame gets injured it things start definitely uh it started falling apart man but we did start off really good we, we thought we were going to do really good and we had that's when we had gary Payton in the second too now we, we actually yeah that, the beginning of the year was a good time i completely forget it because 82 game season makes it feel like two years a lot happens yeah um i want to ask you about a player and i'll be honest i don't know much about this player i just know his name and i think i'm higher on the other player with the same last name what are your thoughts on chris murray Oh, okay. I actually like this draft pick. Yeah. When they picked up Chris Murray, I actually like this pick a lot because I follow college basketball too. Chris Murray was an absolute bucket for the Iowa team. And his brother actually had the same role he did, 
last year chris murray came off the bench last year for iowa meanwhile keegan was the starting guy and keegan obviously averaged 20 was a top pick and this year chris murray was also a 20 point per game guy in uh for iowa and he's very similar to his brother has a great three-point stroke they have about the same weaknesses i i think defensively i would definitely give it to keegan more keegan is probably the better defender but chris has a very like really good jumper he's a lefty shooter he can also get into the paint and has a couple of post moves but similar to keegan he lacks like the athleticism test like the eye test for athleticism is definitely not very good and the handle could be better but i love this pick i don't know how really chris fell so low in the second round it might have been because iowa didn't have a lot of uh march madness success and chris as the number one option wasn't i guess as successful in the bigger more competitive games than keegan was but i, I love this pick for the blazers i think they got a a very underrated player similar player to his brother ironically keegan who can do very similar things and he's a big wing we need defensive wings that can somewhat shoot or at least wings that can shoot and chris hopefully will become that eventually so that's i do like why, that player for sure yeah that that's why i brought up his name because to me like portland's rebuild to me has to be about establishing a different identity where yes we have scoot but we're going to be a team that we're going to focus on having athleticism to the offensive end. We're going to space it out if we can. We're also going to have a big man presence in Aiden, who is easily on volume, one of the most efficient center finishers in the league. Um, obviously, I don't really particularly like his motor at times, but obviously in this situation, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But then the defense is another thing that you really want to have as a premium because it's just hard to have teams that can just, you know, not be good defensively and actually have long term success. So from that perspective, that makes sense. But Chris Murray to me is something that, that fits it, because even though I don't you know, know his game like that, I know Keegan Murray and I think Keegan Murray is going to have a big jump. And if he's even close to what Keegan is. I think fundamentally that's a great pickup for Portland. Yeah, no, and since you brought up Chris Murray, I wanted to bring up the other draft pick that they got this year, which, you know, people already don't talk much about Portland basketball and expect them to know who this player is. But um, Ryan Rupert, I don't know if you've heard of him by any chance. I've actually never heard of him. Please, please educate me. So Ryan Rupert is a French player. He didn't come from the same team as Victor, but he played for the New Zealand Breakers, who I believe played one of some NBA team the other day in preseason. But Ryan Rupert is more of a project player that we drafted later in the draft. Uh, I believe he was somewhere after Chris Murray. But we drafted him as a project player who showed a lot of glimpses of being great defensively. And that's kind of what we brought him in for. He has that Mikhail Bridges type of build. He has a very long mm. wingspan. Any guy, he's a... Uh, he's, he's a wing he's six foot six like i said seven foot three wingspan and he's still really young this guy's only 19 and he showed a lot of glimpses defensively and that's kind of what we brought him in for we need defense and we thought he could be one of the best possible rookie defenders if he gets minutes and that's kind of what we brought him in as as a project player so uh, that's that's ryan repair interesting i'll definitely try to keep my eyes out for it uh i'll say this hr i feel like this year basketball is going to be crazy and i say this every year but this year specifically feels different just from the perspective of if you look at the western conference how many teams are playoff caliber teams let alone playing caliber playoff caliber teams in the western conference it goes at least 11 deep and portland is a team that 
has a good enough roster to be competitive against a lot of these teams to where it's not just some team where, oh, it's Portland, we're going to write you off. Like, they actually have talent. And normally, teams that have younger talent, if they're super athletic and can shoot, it's going to be a problem, especially if they have a big who can be a good regular season big. And Aiden, by all means, has shown that he can be this 20-10 and 10 guy. Defensively, I really want to see that jump in Aiden's game because I think if Aiden can tap into the physicals and tap into the year one playoff run he had with the Suns and bring that to Portland, this is a different type of player we're talking about because I feel like he has the tools. He just hasn't really brought in to maximize what he has. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, before I get into the DA thing, like you said about the Western Conference, every year it seems to get more exciting. But this year, I feel like the Western Conference has 12 to 13 potential playoff teams. Like, we already know the bit, the top guys like the Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, Suns, Kings, Grizzlies, Nuggets will make it. It's just, for me, like, there's going to, I feel like there's going to be a playoff caliber team that is left out this year. And yeah, as much as people like, I don't know, the Jazz, I feel like the Jazz are even a playoff caliber team. I think the Rockers, the Rockets are at least a play-in caliber team with who they brought in and with the expected jumps of Jabari Smith and Jalen Green. So going back to that, I think the West is deeper than it ever has been, and somebody's going to end up getting robbed out of the play-in or playoffs, and it's going to be a very good competitive team. <clears throat> and going to DA, I think I think DA should have a bounce-back season this year. He was really unmotivated on the Suns with how things were going over there and how his role kept getting minimized even more with KD coming in, then Beal coming in, and then no Chris Paul, so Chris Paul can't really... Chris Paul makes every center look better than they are, and that's that's where DA's best years, I believe, were. And with the Blazers now, I think he likes where his role is at. There's no, you know, shot chuckers on this team like that, except maybe Anthony, who will probably be the most volume scorer on this team. But with Scoot and him, now he has a younger player that hopefully will utilize him more. And I think DA is more motivated. A lot of we've seen a lot of players struggle on their first teams, and as soon as they get a fresh start, they're kind of like much better. They bounce back, and I think DA is in a much better mindset from the footage I've seen in practice. DA looks a lot happier in his new situation, and like you said, yeah, I think if they can return DA to that 20 and 10 guy, then this Blazers team looks more of a play-in team. Dude, every interview that I've seen from Aiden, and it has to be on purpose. He's smiling every interview. I can't find one interview where he's not happy, smiling. Like, he, I think, is so happy to be in a different situation where he knows he's going to get featured a lot more than before. And I think that his role consistency is a big part of why, why his motor wasn't great. But I just think that adding him to this team, if he is that caliber of player, is going to make Portland a, a much more competitive team. Now, realistically for me, I don't I don't have Portland making the playoffs, but I don't think that's the expectation for Portland coming into this season. What are your thoughts as a Portland fan as to the 2024 expectations for this roster? I don't think we have any expectations to, you know, make the playoffs, although as much as that would be nice, and I'm, I'm sure Scoot, for a fact, out of everybody on this team wants to make the playoffs the most, that's not the biggest expectation. I think their biggest expectation is to see, can this team all fit together? Can the new guys they brought in fit together? Can they build and at least be a little bit better than last year, at least be competitive against some of the best teams on certain nights? I think those are the expectations, and the expectations are also, you know, can everybody take a leap and be better in their play? But as far as, you know, what I see with this team, <clears throat> let me give you the starting lineup according to ESPN, the projected lineup on the depth chart. 
Scoot's supposed to be at the 1, Anthony's at the 2, Sharp is at the 3, Jeremy Grant is at the 4, and DeAndre Aiden at the 5. So I feel like if we look at each player on this starting lineup, they're all capable of going off for 20 every night. Or on, on certain nights. I'm not going to say every night because, you know, it takes turns. But I think every player on this starting lineup can score 20 on a given night. And I feel like all of them, each of them have a, like, perennial all-star caliber roof, like, or ceiling. And I like this lineup a lot. Like, I feel looking at this lineup, this is similar to that OKC lineup that made the play-in last year. Like, they have guys that can not only get it done defensively but can also get it done offensively and as much as a lot of people are going to say well how do you guys expect to be more competitive this year you guys don't have Damian Lillard anymore yeah we don't have Damian Lillard anymore but I feel like in terms of depth and in terms of like all around this lineup for as young as it is has like has it seems like the lineup's going to have good chemistry and we have more depth coming off the bench I mean we have Brogdon and Matisse potentially off the bench along with Rob Williams off the bench so I think we have a play-in caliber team and the expectations thing I think they're just going to see what we can do this year and if we can at least be better and play you know more chemistry basketball this year we still have a young team I, I don't think there's huge first year expectations yeah and I think that is the scary part though because these teams that don't have expectations right they can just play freely and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And often when teams are just being themselves and playing freely, that's where you get the most out of these guys. I think that everyone's coming in motivated to prove that they can be a good team, to prove that like just because Dame's gone doesn't mean we're the worst team in the league. Some people foolishly believe that the Blazers are gonna be the, like the worst team in the NBA. I just think from a talent perspective, that's, that's not gonna shake like that for me. Um, and they're gonna like have this chip on their shoulders. Scoot already plays with the chip on his sh shoulder. Anthony Simons has not been getting any love for the entire offseason. They've been saying, trade him, shade is better than you, all this. So he's gonna for sure have a, a chip on his shoulder. DeAndre Aiden, who got outplayed in the playoffs by Jacques Landale, who got shit talked by like his his coach and other, you know, people who there were reports saying that like Booker and KD just straight up didn't believe in him, right? Who got traded by Nurkic, who the Suns were like saying, we want an all-star package back and instead accepted Nurkic's contract. I think for, for him as well, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. So there's gonna be a want to and a desire to be good. And that's gonna make this team super competitive. Yeah, no, and, and going back to the whole, like, yeah, DA thing with the chip on his shoulder, I think in terms of, like, them wanting the all-star package and they got Nurkic in return, I think this is actually an even trade. I mean, Nurkic goes to a team where I feel like he'll at least, he doesn't have as much of an ego as DA does. He'll settle more into that, I'll do the, the small and do the dirty work type of role for the Suns, and I think he, he fits, at this point, that's what the Suns need, more than a center who's going to desire more touches in the paint. They need a center like Nurkic who will pass the ball, will rebound. And Nurkic's stats are probably going to go down with how much offense the Suns team has, but I'm sure he'll go more into that role. And he's on a more team that fits his timeline as DA is now going back to a team that he can have a fresh start on, That a team that I'm sure has already told him they believe in him and they want him to be himself and be aggressive and that... They will help, you know, build more of the offense around him, getting touches in the paint. So it, I think, I think it was a good swap for both of them. Yeah, hundred percent. I will say though, man, the Suns, <laughs> the Suns are a very interesting team because 
Nurkic is a great rebounder, but he is a liability on the defensive end. The amount of times I saw Nurkic in drop coverage versus Steph Curry in that playoff series, like, I think he'll provide value in terms of rebounding and being like a bigger presence physically, but there's a reason why his contract was super hard for Portland to get up uh, off of. Aiden was paid by the Suns. They wanted to get off of his big salary, but honestly, I think Aiden is a more tradable piece than Nurkic considering his upside as a player. Nurkic is gonna be steadily on the decline, which is unfortunate because let's not forget, when he was traded to Portland from Denver, Nurkic was a great player. Him and Dame were like leading very efficient lineups. He was a five by five type of player. He's just a really good player, but the injuries and all that have really changed the player he could have been. Yeah, and people forget Nurkic started on the Nuggets over Jokic. Like Nurkic was yes, at one point a, a really good player, and he's still a solid player and still a pretty good playmaker and a good rebounder. But like you said, the defense for the Suns, who don't seem to care about defense, uh, having um, Nurkic at at center is definitely a defensive downgrade compared to Aiden. But like I said, yeah, I think at this point Nurkic is harder to trade than Da because at least with Da, you know that Da's struggles last year were more of a mental thing and him not wanting to not being as motivated anymore and with da you still have the potential of him eventually hitting his prime and getting better because he's such a young player with nurkic you're either going to get what you got last year or you're going to get it worse because nurkic is only getting older he's on the downfall i don't think it gets much better from there yeah and it's funny because like i'm not sure if you had this uh planned but in my head i said there's no way dang is traded in any trade that Nurkic is not involved though. I felt like getting off of Nurkic's contract was a big thing for Portland. So so if you're gonna trade Dame, you might as well clean house. Is that something that you felt like needed to happen with the Dame trade? Yeah, I felt like if Dame was traded, then Nurkic would also be gone too because Nurkic has been there just as long as Dame has been. And I was like, well, if you're gonna get off of Dame, I'm sure you've been hearing all the Blazers fans that want a young center next to Scoot. I don't think, I don't think Scoot wants Nurkic as his pick and roll partner and two once you get off of Dame I don't think Nurkic even fits this timeline like Nurkic isn't as old as Dame but Nurkic does not fit this timeline anymore and I feel like it's only fair to Nurkic that you trade him if Dame goes because this is not you know Nurk isn't Nurk, I'm sure Nurk wouldn't have mind staying just as Jeremy Grant stayed but he just doesn't fit this timeline it just looks awkward and I'm sure the the Blazers wanted to definitely clean the house a bit and going back to Jeremy Grant, I thought Jeremy Grant might be traded. But considering Jeremy Grant is kind of in that middle age, I guess it makes sense for now to keep him around, at least until the trade deadline. But I think it definitely made sense to clean house a bit and trade Nurk after Dame. Absolutely. But all in all, sounds like it's going to be a very fun year for Portland basketball. Um, this year, what I'm doing HR is I'm creating a spreadsheet for myself. I, I keep speaking that into existence, but I do need to actually make this now where I'm going to be tracking exactly how many games I watch, why I'm doing that. Because if someone in a Twitter space or in the player's choice chat says, gifted, how many games did you watch of this team? I'm going to tell you exactly how many games and, and that'll be that because I tried to watch like four to five games at one time and I got burned out crazy last year. This year, I'm going to hard commit to watching like one or two games in a sitting at the same time 
and just like take notes, like fully understand the game. I feel like every year is a great opportunity to just learn more about the game. And this year I'm treating it the same way. I mean, I, Gifted, I don't know if you watched from the first to the fourth, but the way you watch peak basketball is you turn on the game when you're in the third quarter. That, that's that, when the meaningful that's basketball, basketball starts. Yeah. <laughs> that's when the meaningful basketball starts. Because, man, I cannot imagine you watching four games from the first to the fourth quarter. I get burned out after the second one. Dude, I listen, I got three monitors, right? So, so on this monitor, I have the recording and the topics for this podcast. On this monitor... I have us in the Discord call right here. And on this monitor, I have my sound stuff and some data, right? So if I'm watching the games, I'll have two games here on this monitor, two games here on this monitor, and I'll have a Google Doc with notes of the games I'm watching. And I was able to make it through like the first half of the season like that. But I'm not doing that again. Now, I'm going to just watch two games. Every game, I'm going to commit to hard watching one random NBA team outside of my own. And I'm going to track it in the spreadsheet so I can keep track of how much hoops I'm watching. But you're right about that. Because trust me, as a Warriors fan, that third quarter, that's when it gets real for teams. Stay tuned. like, And, and make sure to mark down some games to watch. Because like I said, I can't promise where we're going to be in the standings. But... I definitely can't promise to you that at least on our worst night, you'll have that shade and sharp poster dunk highlight to watch that gets everybody like off their chairs. And I think we definitely are still going to try to stay competitive. I mean, you look across the starting lineup and you have a lot of bucket getters on this team. And even on the nights where we aren't the most competitive, because I definitely think that with every young team that struggles, there's going to be those nights where it looks rough against one of those top West or top heavy teams. You at least see some competitiveness, you know, from Scoot or competitiveness from at least DA. So I think there will be some sort of competitiveness even on our worst nights. And like you said, it's scary for teams, young teams that don't have expectations. That's how OKC started out. I'm sure OKC didn't have the biggest expectations with Giddy, Jalen Williams and Shea. And they ended up making the play in last year, eliminating a playoff team, in my opinion, in the Pelicans that even though they didn't have Zion, still have Ingram and CJ on that team and Jonas Valanciunas and got got rid of them, got them up and out of there in the play-in, this young OKC team. So all it takes is for the Blazers to not have expectations, suddenly have a winning record in the play-in race, and all of a sudden they're they're in the they're in the mix. Dude, basketball in like February and March and April is gonna be so fun. Cause that player race is gonna be insane. Cause even last year, right? I think the Warriors, Clippers, and Lakers had the same record at one point. And like the sixth seed and like the twelfth seed was literally like like a three-game margin. So seeing that crunch time is gonna be very, very fun this season, I think. No, yeah, for sure. I I think I think it is. And I think we're gonna see we might see some young teams up in there. Like I know like even the Spurs don't have the biggest expectations, but I think genuinely that yeah, I think genuinely there's going to be one team in that play-in race that maybe none of us expected or even in the playoffs. And that play-in at the beginning is always like, it's always like the perfect like appetizer to watch before the playoffs start. Always, always. I, I love that addition to the game. It makes the end of the regular season way more fun to watch because of it. And I think that the crop of talent that we have is going to make the play-in feel like, oh shoot, it's, it's like playoff teams that are fighting for their lives. Compared to this team sucks, but the playing is here, so I guess I have to watch them play. You know? 
yeah, like last year, the play was great. It was Minnesota Lakers in the beginning and then Pelicans Thunder. And I'm sure everybody had like the Pelicans probably beating the Thunder. But then the Thunder upset them and, you know, the Lakers beat the Pelicans and then it was, I mean, the Lakers beat the, the Wolves and then all of a sudden it's Wolves and Thunder and we're like, whoa, what if the Thunder shocked the Wolves? But unfortunately, that didn't end up happening. But Gross. yeah, like the plane is only going to get more exciting because there's more competitive teams in the West now. Yeah, well, I cannot wait for the season to start. Big shout out to, to my boy HR, man. Uh, he produces great content around the NBA. Can't wait to tap in with you more this season. You being a Blazer fan is great because, again, I like the conversation we had. I feel like we did the team justice by breaking down a lot of the ins and outs of their roster and players that you know people might not have heard of or are thinking about for the blazers so it should be fun i will be tracking their progress as we progress i said it twice during this regular season uh overall make sure the people know where to find you yeah man you can find me on twitter or youtube at hoopers radar i really just want to thank gifted for letting me on i didn't know for sure if he was gonna see my comment but i feel like we need to do the people justice i feel like a, there's a lot of content to be desired on youtube about blazers because everybody loves talking about the bucks celtics and lakers recently so uh hopefully this podcast does well and uh thank you again gifted for having me on man this is an honor hey listen absolutely as a creator myself again i started this podcast in the playoffs and my goal with this is to talk about real hoops. We gonna talk about Rudy Gobert off ball screens. We're gonna talk about uh, Jonathan Kuminga vertically spacing the floor. We're gonna talk about Anthony Simons on pull up shots within 28 feet. You know what I'm saying? Like I like talking about the nuances of the game because the mainstream stuff is always gonna be there, right? But what about the small things? What about why Nas Reed is one of the best contracts in the NBA? You know what I'm saying? Like. I like yeah. these types of things in this podcast, at least in this first year, my goal was to stay consistent during the off season while no one's making content. Cause normally once there's no basketball, NBA content creators pretty much have nothing to really talk about. So they just like, stop. I told myself, let's stay consistent. Let's just break down all 30 teams headed into the season. And now we're here with, with uh, eight or so days by the time this drops until basketball starts. So, dope conversation shout out to to hooper's radar make sure to tap in with this stuff his links will be in the description as well if you made it this far i appreciate y'all because this has been like an hour long plus podcast uh go tap in with this podcast on spotify apple podcast five star it i have three five star ratings right now and i'm very thankful because i had zero so three is a is a great improvement but i know y'all be listening so just like leave a comment or five star that, that helps it grow and also subscribe to the youtube channel for both my channel and also hooper's radar again those things will be in the description but peace out people have a going we got a lot more nba content to get into i still have like probably eight or so teams left to cover with 10 days left to go so we're on a content grind baby have a good one people peace